Well, go ahead and open, uh, if you have a copy of God's Word. Uh, If if you don't, there's one in the pew, or there's probably one uh, on your cell phone. To Genesis chapter 15, uh, we're going to be looking at uh, just the beginning part of this chapter. Uh, This is uh, where we see the ratification, the formalization of the Abrahamic covenant. Uh, We have been going through the book of Genesis and looking primarily at chapter 12 through 50. Uh, And uh, this is a very important text this morning as we talk about the patriarchs and when we uh, are studying specifically with Abraham. Uh, This morning we're going to just deal with the first six verses um, out of chapter 15. Uh, Next week we will uh, finish diving into this chapter and it's not a really complicated chapter. We're going to kind of look at a, an official cutting of a covenant, the actual ceremony of what an Old Testament covenant um, was. Um, and, and there's some cool detail to understand what all that means. But um, this morning we're going to just look at the very beginning of it um, because it is, such a, it, it is so crucial to the Christian faith. Um, I've been listening to a book recently as I've been working. Uh, in fact, I really want to recommend it to you. Uh, it's, a, it's a biography about Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Uh, and I think it's the last one was written about 10 years ago. I don't have the author's name. But, uh, you know, it, it talked about, you know, Bonhoeffer was a German uh, Christian theologian uh, that was just really passionate over time. He grew more and more passionate about the Word of God and more and more passionate about really what the church is supposed to be from a biblical perspective. And it's amazing to see him come out of, uh, you know, a lot of the, the, the liberal theology that's out there today and present today uh, had its origins in uh, German Christianity in the middle 1800s. Uh, but he, uh, he came out of that in, in, in a particular time uh, whenever, you know, the Nazis were coming to power. Uh, and uh, it's, it's interesting to see, um, you know, how they twisted uh, and manipulated God's word and the church for their own particular purposes. And one of the things that they did uh, because of what they believed about uh, Jews is that they completely wanted to separate the Old Testament from the church. Of course, that, that, is, that is not a, a new thing. It's amazing how Satan, though he is crafty, he doesn't have a, a lot of tricks. He goes back to the same bag of tricks every time. Uh, but um, you know, I, I just, I just, we have to understand who Abraham is and understand uh, the promises that God made with him in ancient times and how they have ramifications for us today in our faith. It is important to understand that God is not, is, is, does fulfill his promises, but he's still in the process of doing what he says he's going to do. And the fact that we are a part of that fulfillment, that, that ancient promise, we're a part of it today. Uh, and, and, and so this morning it won't be a, a deep, complex, uh, you know, sermon, um, if I can help it, but uh, it's profound. And, and, I, and I, I hope that you, you grasp uh, all that God has for you this morning as these promises uh, are, are looked at and, and, and maybe even revealed for the first time uh, for you. Uh, you might remember, uh, just to pick up where we were last week, uh, we are coming out of chapter 14. And there was this, basically, the, you know, there was this amazing conflict that was going on. Remember, I had the map and I showed you all this stuff. But basically, Abram was led by God to go to rescue his nephew Lot. But in doing so, he intervened in a major 
regional or world conflict with this ma- these major kings out of the area of Persia and Iraq, present-day Iraq, in this Mesopotamia area. And he actually had a major victory against a significant force. And it's almost, as you read the story in 14, it's almost as though he, he kind of came at night and sucker-punched the enemy, and he won. Uh, then he goes back, and we see how he thumbed his nose at the king of Sodom but uh, paused and received the blessing from Melchizedek, the priest of the Most High God, and how the, 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 the promise and the covenant that had, had brought out in chapter 12 Abram out of Ur to this place, this, this, this land of promise to fulfill God's ultimate plan for salvation, to right all the problems we see with sin and creation um, we see he, he comes out in these, and that, that promise is, is restated and, 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 and recertified in, 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 in the right response of, in Abram whenever he was worshiping and, and not getting off course as he had done earlier. Uh, and so immediately following that event is where we're going to pick up in the story. And I'm not going to read all of chapter 15, just the first few verses, but go ahead and look at them with me this morning. Uh, it'll have it up on the screen if our technology works well and it is so far it says after these events what events the events that we just described the the battle the fight that happened and and the victory that Abram had uh, and then the blessing that that he received from Melchizedek and the tithe of of the possessions he had taken from uh, from these folks uh, in this great battle he gave as an offering to the Lord but says after these events the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision Do not be afraid, Adam. Adam. I am your shield. Your reward will be very great. But Abram said, Lord God, what can you give me since I am childless and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus? Abram continued, look, you have given me no offspring, so a slave born in my house will be my heir. Now the word of the Lord came to him. This will not be your heir. Instead, one who comes from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look at the sky and count the stars. If you were able to count them, then he said to him, your offspring will be that numerous. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. It's, it's a really important uh, few verses of scripture now, it begins by, by, by stating, by, by saying, after these events, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, and he said, do not be afraid, Abram. Now, I, I'm curious, as we look at the text and we approach the text, uh, which is a key to what uh, the Bible study that, that our ladies are doing with my wife leading it, you know, we don't come to the Bible as a self-help book. We don't come to the Bible just wanting to, you know, have a piece of us filled in so we can feel better and get about our life. We, come, we approach Scripture knowing that we are broken people and we need Him to transform us completely. That's how we approach Scripture. And, and, and as, you, as, I, as I was reading this, I was wondering, you know, as, as we begin, it says, um, Do not be afraid, Abram. And I asked the question of the text in prayer, too. What is he afraid of? Why is he scared? I mean, he just had this significant victory. And as we're going to see time and time again, God fulfilling his promises, he told him what would happen. That, that he was, if, if Abram walking in this relationship that God had called him into, 
that in this, God was going to move in him, and he was going to bless him, and he was going to bless those that bless him and curse those that curse him. And we see specifically that's what happened in chapter 14. Uh, but, but there's something going on here because Abram, is a, they're, 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 he's scared. There, there's a frightening thing going on. Um, you know, we, we face scary situations all the time. Um, you know, what, what, can you remember the last time you were scared, when you were genuinely scared? Um, as I was thinking about this, I, I was thinking back to times that I've been scared. And the ones that come to my mind uh, the most vividly... Um, uh, is the times that I thought my children were hurt. There was something bad that happened. Um, um, you know, I was thinking back to a time when I lived in Alpine, but as I was going there, Mom, I thought about the time that you had the wreck, just leaving here, you know. And, and uh, all I heard, my mother had the, my wife, and, or my wife, had my children and her, and they were going down towards Brady in a camper, and there was a bad wreck, and my mom was in it, in a place that I never get cell phone uh, signal, and she called and told me where she was. We had a wreck, but, and then click. That was it. That's all I heard. There was a wreck. It was bad. The kit is done. And I remember just scaring my wife to death as I, I tried to burn up my engine in my, in my Dodge pickup, which I was probably almost there because it's a Dodge. But driving out there just as quickly as I could because I was scared for my children. Um, Guys, I, I know that we have reasons to be scared. Uh, Abram had, I think there's twofold reasons why he's scared here. Uh, number one, um, perhaps, um, perhaps he is concerned about what he just participated in, okay? And he, he got back home and he got off the high of the victory uh, and he realized that this major power could go home and recoup and come back after him. We're going to see throughout the Old Testament text that uh, the folks in Mesopotamia come back time and time again trying to take the king's road, the king's highway down to Egypt. And there's all this, always this conflict. And this isn't the first time it's happened in history. Uh, he's vulnerable. Perhaps that's what it is. And, and um, you know, and, and, and how quickly we forget whenever God wins victories. And how quickly we want to go back uh, to the thinking that it was us that did that. It wasn't Abram that did that. It was God that did that. And God's going to continue to sustain him. Now, another reason is you go and we look in these first few verses, maybe something else he's scared of or afraid of. The very fact that, you know, he's being established there in this place where God called him, fulfilling his promises. Um, and he's growing wealthy and he's, he's getting recognition. But he has all this. And what does he have to show for it? No heir. No heir. Uh, and so, you know, it doesn't just come out and tell us exactly why he's scared. But God assures him here. And I want to make a, a statement here that I think is a truth statement. Uh, you know, I, don't, I, I hear this in the media all the time, and I don't agree with it. You know, like, you know, I'm going to speak my truth, okay? If truth, if, 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 it's, if what I say is true, uh, it's, it can't just be my truth. I want to speak God's truth. Uh, because you can't have a truth, and I can have a truth, and they, they can't be different. If they are different, it's not truthful, okay? I'm not going to speak my truth. I believe this is true. If you are in relationship with God, there is no reason, though we still will, we will still go back to this sometimes, but if we're in relationship with God, we have no reason to ever be fearful. There, there's absolutely no reason that we should war and wrestle with anxiety and fear. 
because of who God is and because of his promises. And, and scripture is, is full of this, telling us about our position with God and where we stand. We should not be scared if we're in relationship with him. And, and it's, I mean, just, just, I mean I only, I'm only going to quote one scripture here, and it's one that's common to me that I go to whenever I feel anxiety. It's one that, that oftentimes I think maybe some of you go to, but, but here it is, uh, Philippians 4, 6 to 7. Some of you maybe could probably just quote that. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It says, don't worry, don't be fearful. But I'm worrying and I'm fearful sometimes. But it says, but whenever you go there, go to God, pray. I used to tell my wife all the time when she would complain or be upset about something sharing anxiety i'm like man the bible says don't be scared i would just say don't be scared just don't be anxious quit worrying about it and i failed her a whole lot because i didn't just sit down with her and pray with her you know that that's that's the response when that comes but it's about being in relationship and that's the truth but you know there are reasons to be scared though particularly if you're not in relationship i want to share uh, some scripture with you this morning, quite a bit of scripture, um, but uh, particularly uh, in Matthew chapter 10. I just want to take you there. When we, when we see this text and we talk about God's addressing of Abram and his concern and his anxiety, I'm trying to tell you not to be scared. In Matthew chapter 10, uh, it's, a, it's a great picture whenever Jesus is about to send out his disciples. He's been equipping, he's been leading, and he's about to send them out for some OJT. You know what OJT is? On-the-job training to be a disciple, okay? We need OJT. We, that's why we come to worship. That's why we should plug into Bible study. That's why we should witness together and walk in our lives together. Uh, we should always be, be being built up and prepared to build others up as we go out. But, but they're, they're going to be sent out here in pairs, uh, they're going to be sent out uh, in, into, into Galilee and then down into Judea. To, to, I think it's primarily in Galilee to go and, and share the gospel and perform miracles, but to draw people to God through uh, the man they're following, Jesus. And he has some specific things to tell them about before they head out. First, he says, look, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Now, you would think that Jesus would have a little bit more comforting words for his disciples before he's fixing to send them out. He says, don't worry about this, guys. I'm going to send you out as little lambs amongst wolves, okay? Uh, but but that's, what he, that's the words that he uses here. He says, look, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be shrewd as serpents and as innocent as doves. Whenever I'm telling you that do not be fearful, you've got to know if you're going to live for Christ... It, there will be dangerous things happening around us all the time. I mean, this is a dangerous world. We cannot live in this world with rose-colored glasses because it's not all rosy. We see the bad stuff all the time. But we have to understand as we walk out, as his disciples, in relationship, further down it says in verse 16, Therefore, don't be afraid of them since there is nothing uh, covered that won't be uncovered, nothing hidden that won't be made known. What I tell you in the dark, uh, speak in the light. What you hear in a whisper, proclaim on the housetops. Don't fear those who kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. Rather, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. 
Aren't two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet no, not one of them falls to the crown without your father's consent. But even the hairs of your head have all been counted. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than any, than any sparrows. Therefore, everyone who acknowledge who will acknowledge me before others, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before others, I will also deny him before my Father in heaven. This is a great picture and a great example of what it means to walk in a dangerous world and not be scared of it. It's all related. That's why I read all the way down to verse 32 and 33. It's all about relationship. Now I want to tell you, If you're not walking in relationship with God, you ought to be pretty stinking scared, okay? It's pretty doggone hard out there. Parents, if you're sending your children out into the world and they are not in relationship with Christ, they're not walking with Him, I want you to know it is going to be hard. It's going to be scary. And if you're already doing that or you've already done it, it's okay. There's a... There, there, God's got a plan and he can redeem any situation. It's time to, it's time to trust him in, 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 in faith and reach out in faith now to help. But I'm going to tell you, if you're not walking with Christ, this world is going to kill you or someone you know. It, it's, it's, the, it's the plan the enemy has. It, it's dangerous. You know, the, the world that Abram was living in was dangerous. But God had a plan for him. God's got a plan for you, but it's not wrapped up in what you want to do or what you can do. It's, you, it's wrapped up in you pursuing Him and His presence. I, I, I titled the sermon, Are You Here for His Presence or His Presence? I'm going to tell you, if you're here just to get something out of this, if you're here just, to, just because you know, you're thinking, if I come to church and I, I, I write a check or pay some tithe or come and serve in the ministry, that, that I might be able to, to do enough to weigh on the scale to get to heaven. Um, or it's a thing out of tradition. If, if, that, if you're here because you want to get blessed, I, I want you to know the motivation is wrong here. If you're here, though, to worship God and you want His presence in your life, if you want to be where He is, if you want to pursue Him with everything you have, if you do that, that is the picture here. That is, the other stuff is religion. This is about knowing and being known by the one true God. And it is critical that we have that perspective. I'm going to move on to another uh, text this morning. Um, and um, if, if, you've, if you've been here uh, much in the last uh, you know, four and a quarter years, pretty good chance you've heard me read from this text because it is... By far, my favorite verse of Scripture in the New Testament. But it makes some incredible illustrations about this very point, particularly whenever God told Abram that he should not be afraid, that he was going to be his shield. He was going to be the one that would be protecting him, particularly as I'll go back and look. Do not be afraid. I am your shield. Your reward will be very great. But it's important, I think, here that he prefaces this, I am your shield. I'm going to read a passage of Scripture here, then we're going to go up on the screen, and I'm going to preference just a couple of particular verses here. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16 to 21, let me, let me read the Scripture here. It says, from now on then, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. That, that, that's, you know, Paul is saying we have the understanding 
looking at the world and living in the world just as human beings, not in his presence, there's something different whenever we know Christ. There's something different when we're actually in relationship. From now on, then, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. Even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet now we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, or some of your translations might say, Behold, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and see the new things have come. Everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God. Now, I want to just kind of break this text down a little bit. I'm going to show you about uh, three or four verses here, about really, what's the picture here, though, about what is the effect of living in relationship with God? What is the effect of knowing that he is our shield? Because, I mean, the the, the picture that that God paints here for Abram in telling him this um, is, is really fleshed out right here. First off, it says, everything is from God who has reconciled himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them, and has committed the message of reconciliation to us. There's a picture here, because if you, if you read all the Scripture in the New Testament, you have to understand what the shield here uh, that, that, that God was promising Abram accomplishes many different things. Number one, we have to understand that living in relationship with Him, just like it said in Matthew uh, chapter 10, protects us as we walk in a dangerous world right here on the earth. We need a relationship with God. We need his presence around us to help us navigate the difficult circumstances as we go about God's business, okay? As we live our lives in relationship with him um, wherever we're at, not just in church work or, or, or ministry events, if you want to call them that, but in everything. We need his presence to navigate. But also, this is important, as we face what comes next after this world. This is paramount, guys. Because here's the deal. It talks about everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself. What does that mean? There's a transaction that's taking place. There's a payment that's happening here that has to happen in order for for the payment to be made. Now, I was uh, trying to think what is the best way to give this illustration. And, and as I was thinking about this text yesterday, watching, you know, what I thought may have been, I, I thought I was, may, may have been experiencing the last moments of my life. As I mentioned, I thought my heart was going to stop in that basketball game. Uh, I was watching some really cool things happen there. Uh, and I, I don't know what they call it. Coach Guys could probably tell it if he wants to let the secret out. I don't know if there's a play. But, I mean, I mean, so many things were happening on that basketball court on purpose. It wasn't by accident those things were happening. And there was a play I saw three, two, maybe three or four times but where, you know, they're passing the ball around like crazy. 
And they're trying to get this, this, this person out on the perimeter in just the right position to where they get the ball and there's another cowgirl right in front of her where she can shoot the basket. And every now and then it would happen. It would look so cool. But, but, if, but, if, but if that person is not right there, the, the, the defender's going to be right in their face is going to swat that ball away. There's no way they're going to make that basket. And it happened a few times. It was so pretty to watch that. But, but I mean, literally... If we're walking in relationship with God, he is our shield to surround us and to protect us so we can be be profitable and be effective for him. If we don't have that shield, we're we're just like the rest of the mice out in the rat race. And and we may or may not make it sometimes. But if if we're in relationship, he's going to protect us. And that still means that harm might come to us, okay? You read the cats that wrote the New Testament, okay? They suffered mightily. Their family suffered mightily. But they, they weren't living on this earth for the earth. They weren't living for the, for the presence and getting the rewards. They were living for his presence and ultimately the presence in heaven where they got their reward. It's like it says there in, in, in chapter 15. But there's something else here in, in this text that is so important. So there, there, there's that one picture of why we have his shield as our presence. But here's the other part of it. There's something here that, that, that's just, it, it, I don't completely comprehend why it works this way, but it's true. If you read in the book of Romans, it talks about the wrath of God. Because a lot of the stuff that Jesus is talking about in Matthew 10, uh, the, the things that happen around us every day, you're thinking, that's not right. That is so unjust. I can't believe that it's happening. I've had young people talk to me and say, I have a hard time sometimes believing in God whenever that happens. I want you to know that will be settled someday. There is going to be every wrong will be righted someday. And the scripture is true whenever it says that God's wrath is against the ungodly. Here's the thing that I also know. I'm deserving of God's wrath. I'm part of the wrong. I know that I am. Just, just watch, you know, half a day of the thoughts that run through my head sometimes. You know, the words that want to fly out of my mouth sometimes. Uh, the, 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 the way that I get angry at, at my wife or my children in a wrong way. I'm, I, I'll just, I mean, I, I don't want you to see it all. I just want you to know I'm not perfect. And I deserve God's wrath. In fact, Scripture says every single one of us deserves God's wrath. But when we read here in this scripture, it's talking about that God is reconciling the world to himself through Christ. Here's the picture. We are standing here deserving of God's wrath. But it's as though Christ comes in and provides a shield for the, for the, the consuming fire of wrath that is, is meant to consume us. But, but Christ, he, he is consumed for us. He is is held in place to receive what we deserve. That shield isn't just to help us navigate this this world for his purposes, but it's also to protect us. But but do you catch it's God doing the consuming, but God also doing the protecting? There's a plan in place. But in that relationship, we are protected. And, 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 And that is what it means. He is our shield. But there's more to this text that's so much fun to look at here. It says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He said, he made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us. He is consumed for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. 
And so it's more than just the protection to help us be blessed and walk on this earth. It's to protect us, to, to stand before him in that day. But here's something else too. If you are walking in relationship, you're not just free to serve the king for his purposes without fear no matter what happens. If you're living in relationship with God, you're not just protected from the wrath to come to know that no matter your sin, if you're walking with Christ, confess that sin, wanting to walk with him in relationship and repentance, that he's got a plan to use you and you will be spared that wrath. It's, it's not just even that. As we read here in this text, is also the idea that we are ambassadors for Christ. It says we have been given this ministry of reconciliation It's literally as though now if we have Christ, we bear that shield to hold for others as we tell other people about Christ. There is so much wrapped up in what this text is talking about. So I just want to ask you a question this morning. Um, Is Christ your shield? Are you behind him? Are you in relationship with God? Or are you just here for his presence, for the presence to get the good stuff? Do we do that sometimes whenever and, and forfeit the best stuff? Because I'm going to go back to Genesis, and we're going to wrap this up. Uh, this is something that's really important, and, and we're not going to look at all at chapter 15 this morning. Uh, but the, this fearfulness that, that Abram had, he says, Do not be afraid, I am your shield. Your reward will be very great. We see later that, that Abram um, is a man just like you and I. Uh, and Abram uh, is going to hear from God in this, in this covenant that all the fulfillment of all that he's going to accomplish is nowhere near what Abram can possibly comprehend. There's something far greater in store. Because I want you to know, if we're here just to check a box and go to church and, and kind of go through a motion, we're not even getting close to grasping the picture of what God wants to do in our lives and through our lives and have us to be a part of. There's something far greater in store. Um, and, and, I mean, basically, Abram's told here, you're not going to get all the presents. You're not going to get all this stuff. But I'm going to be in your life. And, and, and there's going to be something amazing happen as you continue to walk in this relationship. But in the last verse I want us to look at, it says in verse 6, Abram believed the Lord, and he credited to him as righteousness. Now this is a really important verse, and it's an important verse to end on. There in in, in verse 1, it says, After these events, the word of the Lord came to Abram. In verse 4, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Abram. To him, there's only two times in all of Genesis that we see that phrase, the word of the Lord. And whenever Abram heard this, it's not like he didn't have this vague experience, okay? Uh, you know, where he was digging through the dirt one day and, and, and he thought about, you know, you know, you know, God's got something for me. I mean, this was a literal conversation that, that Abram heard from God. And I want you to know, I, want, I, just, I just also want to make this clear, crystal clear, guys. There's only one way that we come into a relationship with God. Whenever God's word is brought to us and we hear from his revelation, okay? I don't think revelation is going on any longer. The Holy Spirit has spoken to us through his word. And if you're wanting revelation, hear this word right now. This is the revelation of God right here, okay? 
the word of the Lord came to Abram, and he told him that if he believed him, he was going to be his shield, he was going to provide, he was going to protect. And then in verse 6, it says that Abram believed. Now that word in, in, the, in the Hebrew there, basically it means Abram believed the Lord. It, it meant whenever he, whenever he heard from God and he understood that God was going to fulfill his promises, there was something significant there. It, it was a, 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 a definite, concrete perspective that he would no longer doubt who he was on this earth. He, in fact, I wrote down here that the text emphasizes that Abram entrusted his future to what God would do for him as opposed to what he could do for himself to obtain the promises. I want you to know, guys, if you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you have a relationship with him through Christ, you can have certainty and confidence that God's got a plan and you don't have to worry about living your life for yourself any longer. Pursue him. But I want you to know this. If you have not believed in this God, if you have not believed in Jesus Christ as your savior, you have no re- 